Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Grant Bolton here. So good to have you here with us for another awesome episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, one of the best parts of TSL is working with our students. Like day in, day out, we've literally helped thousands of students to build and grow their speaking business and to share their message with the world. And I am thrilled that you have the opportunity to hear from some of them during our monthly student highlight series. Because one of the things you're going to find is their stories are going to offer really insight and, and hope no matter where you are in your speaking career. We're going to talk about exactly what they've done, how they've built their business and some of the results that they're seeing. And so for this series, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to hand the mic to one of our coaches who are in the trenches every single day, helping our students to gain the confidence, the clarity, and that clear path that they need to their very own speaking success. I know you're going to love hearing from and learning from these students. So uh, let's get right into it. Enjoy. Hey everyone, Mary Alice Goldsmith here, Director of Student Success for the Speaker Lab. I'm so glad to be with you today on the Speaker Lab podcast. It's a true honor to have this opportunity to introduce you to some of our amazing students. I promise you're going to learn so much from their experiences and be inspired by their perseverance and success. Today, it's my privilege to introduce you to William Quigg. Uh, William, where are you from? Uh, Richmond, Indiana. Richmond, Indiana. Well, we're excited to be with you today, and I think your story is going to be um, inspirational and quite impressive for our audience. Uh, We have a lot of students who listen to this podcast and potential students who listen to this podcast, and I think um, your story is definitely going to inspire. So um, I'd love to know, I know you have a very robust background. You've been walking on this earth for quite some time and have accomplished many things, Um, So I'd love to know what led you to speaking. I was in broadcasting for 30 years. And um, I was president of a 10-station broadcast group out of Indiana. We had stations in four states. Um, I have a saying that I didn't leave broadcasting. Broadcasting left me. After 30 years, uh, I was in the late 80s. There were some major changes, uh, equal time rule. Of ownership changed. Uh, you could only own seven AMs and seven FMs and seven TVs at that time. Within four years, Clear Channel Broadcasting had over a thousand, and the equal time rule was a big one changed. Whereas you had to give equal time to opposing views, and when that rule was done away with, it allowed um, commentators to talk for three hours. And I'll just pick Rush Limbaugh as probably the most famous of all of them, and that totally changed the formatting and and the way broadcasting was going. The local communications went away. Uh, Clear Channel in Phoenix here where I live, uh, you know, had 
six stations and one manager, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I left, but I uh, had wanted to do sales training for my staff and I connected with a sales training company whose program I could use and I started doing that and I really liked it and uh, I was ready to get out and I, I just uh, told the owners, you need to sell the company, I'm moving on and they were older and the board was, it's been founded in 45, it was a family owned deal and they said, great, let's take our money and run and um, I started my own consulting business but a lot of it is speaking. <laughs> I'm speaking before, I'm doing corporate training but you're really speaking and that led me, doing that also led me to speaking opportunities to conventions to companies just doing a speech on some of the topics I talked about. Uh, so that's kind of, that's how I really got into it. How I got into what I'm doing now is totally different. So speaking has, has been a part of your life since you've been able to speak. <laughs> I did, uh, I did at one of the stations I did for 13 years, for 10 years, I did play-by-play high school broadcasting and base, basketball games in Indiana, of course. And I've done a lot. So uh, don't give me a prepared speech. Just give me a microphone. There you go. There you go. I love it. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about what led you to, I mean, with all the speaking background that you have and the expertise that you have, what actually led you to the speaker lab in terms of building your current speaking business? I was doing in-person workshops and um, not a lot. I mean, I closed it trim back my business and I was donating, frankly, doing a lot of nonprofits uh, free, not charging anything and, uh, to keep busy and enjoying it. COVID made it difficult, well, it made it impossible for me to do my old programming. Um, nobody met. <laughs> it was all Zoom. And you have to recreate your program. Your, everything you do has to be redone. I didn't want to go through all that. So I'm sitting around thinking, what am I going to do? I'm on the ethics committee at, at a hospital system here in Phoenix. And we have a kind of, I would call it kind of an internship program that goes for your four high school years. If you're interested in being in the medical field, uh, you join this group. And they're like 25, 30 students who meet periodically throughout the year and are exposed to various aspects of uh, medicine. And they asked me to talk about the value systems, about bioethics, really. And that involves the value systems. And so I, I did a two-hour program with them. I thought, this is pretty cool. And I'm on the board of a contract manufacturing company in, in um, Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I was visiting my daughter in Louisville, and uh, I, I'd been on the advisory board. And the president called me. I told him I was coming. And he said, oh, by the way, well, if you're going to be here, let's do a, a Zoom on consensus decision-making and values, uh, which is a big thing in their company. So I did. And bells start to go off in my head. And uh, I came back to Phoenix, and they said, we've got another group of kids uh, who are here just for the summer, they do volunteer work and and aren't in involved as the other group and they're just here for the summer and would you do the same program for them? And I did and when I got done with that, I said, holy cow, this is a great, <laughs> I could do this in one hour. I could Zoom, I could take everything I did before and wrap it up into a speaking. And Speakers Lab has been on my list to contact except I didn't really know where I want to go. Once that hit me, I said, oh, I contacted and said, let's run. And, uh, and that's how I got involved with Super Speakers Lab. To, you know, writing a speech, getting coordinated and all that is different than in today than when I started. I had my own website. I, but I was using somebody else's programs, basically, and doing some other things I put together. So that little incident uh, got me to Speakers Lab and, you know, to get my abstract done right and all those things. Uh, been very helpful and get my mind focused again. 
I think, you know, like you said before, like, just give me a microphone and I'll run with it, you know, but when you're getting on stage and you have a specific problem to solve, it's, it's really important to, to hone in on what are the problems? What are the steps to, to get to the resolution and less of like a free for all and just having a conversation, right? I, uh, well, I belonged to the National Speakers Association uh, many years ago in the 90s. And to, I, I joined them to find consultant whose program I could use. But I, so I was exposed to the National Speakers group <laughs> early on. And so I had a feeling of what it, I knew. I knew what it was. And it's different. And how do you market and, and kind of what do you need to put together to be successful in that arena? Um, it hasn't changed a lot. It will, but the real value for me, and it's kind of different for everybody, you know, there are 47 people on some of these uh, Zoom calls and all 47 have different topics and entering it at different ages and different experiences and different backgrounds. Uh, I just needed somebody to help me pull it all together and get focused on it. And to, and to be in a group of, with a group doing it and live off their energy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of the cohort style that we offer here at the Speaker Lab. Um, you know, you're in a cohort, it's a small group of people. Um, you get this real-time practitioner who's out in the speaking world, speaking, uh, coming into those cohort meetings saying, hey, I just tried this, it didn't work, or I just tried this and it, I nailed it. Um, and so when you have that that small group what was your um, what was your experience, you know, with Eric and and that cohort style? Oh, it was great. He's tremendous. But um, I uh, totally had to redo my my abstract, <laughs> my, my my points. You know, that was I think that was the greatest takeaway I've had is oh, write that in the right way. What are the, your learning objectives? Um, I've always had a purpose statement for my business, uh, helping. But, individuals and organizations realize their full potential, which is still what I'm doing from a purpose standpoint. But I, what are the learning objectives and learning how to do that kind of phrasing just to get your mind around? Um, that has been very important. Yeah. So what William's referring to is the abstract and, and, you know, Eric will be very transparent and say he, he built his business on an abstract and not on a website. He didn't even have a website or a talk when he sent out his abstract. Um, but those learning objectives is really that marketing language that gets the right people to pay attention. And it's critical because you're, you're marketing to event planners, but you're speaking to audience members. And so the abstract has to address both of them. So there's a very um, skillful way of approaching the abstract. I'd like to add one thing. You just mentioned something that I think is important to think of with new speakers coming in. You said that marketing to event planners. There's also marketing to corporations, which I've done on my own for years. And you're not when you start out, you're not um, you're not booking every two weeks. <laughs> You've got a lot of time until you build. You might get a speak speaking engagement right away, but you're going to have a lot of dead time. In the meantime, pick up the phone and talk to a company, and that's what I've always I've done. And that's often led to the convention speaking when I like I spoke to the. Indiana Bankers Association, and that led to the Michigan Bankers Association. They said, get in touch with them, they're having a meeting. And um, your business is broader than just speaking to events when you start out. Uh, and the, I think that's, to me, that's very important because a, you can get those jobs real quick. And you pick up the ball and call the corporate uh, training director and have a talk and, and get with a group. It gets you going, doing it, 
while you're waiting for the convention to come. And also, it gives you two markets, uh, corporate direct or conventions. I, I don't believe in, you know, yeah, if you're really good, like Eric has a phenomenal story, I don't. I'm doing I got basic stuff talking about values and ethics and so forth. And it isn't a dramatic presentation. It's more of a thoughtful one, serious one about making big decisions the right way. And every, every speaker has a different market. There's just great opportunities there that I don't think should be passed up because it's money-making and it also gives you practice, gets you a chance of doing it. And one reason I started doing nonprofits when I quit was I, I moved to Phoenix and all, all my customers are in the Midwest and the East and I, didn't, I don't have a local business connection. So, and you know, at that time I, in my late seventies and it gave me a chance to keep doing my bit, my, my deal. <laughs> I didn't have to quit. So I, I do a, you know, do a nonprofit for nothing and have a half day retreat or an all day retreat. What the heck it kept me going. And, and sometimes that nonprofits, the board of directors, some of them I did are all business people and I got jobs <laughs> after that. Yeah. So would you recommend, would you recommend if like uh, of someone who's listening that speaks to corporate, would you recommend them doing, you know, getting in contact with the event planners at the corporate level first, you know, like director of HR or director of event planning and have those conversations and then worry about the big conferences later after you form these like relationships on a smaller or, you know, they can lead to the big conferences. I got big conferences in Chicago and New Orleans because of my connection with the industry. They, they told me directly who to get in touch with and I had a referral. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, we say all the time, right? It's a relationship building business. And if you make the relationships with the right people and you make them positive relationships, meaning you're really easy to work with, of course, you're going to get connected and plugged into bigger events. Yeah, I mean, a call I heard the other day, I've sent out, you know, I've been doing this for a month. I've, uh, 25 emails out and I haven't had any responses. Well, also, uh, I notice a lot of speakers don't have a sales background, which I did. So it's not about me, it's about you. And making corporate calls helps you hone your skills in selling <laughs> because you haven't, you're not used to it. You, you uh, were an athlete or had some adversity in your life and that's your speaking platform, but you weren't in sales and sales is different. And it's getting at, oh, it's not my speech that's important. It's my customer who's important. What I talk about is in materials. What does the customer want, need? What would they be interested in? Are my questions about them and not me telling them something until I know what they want? Uh, I've walked out of numerous sales calls after a short period of time when it was quite clear to me, oh, they're not interested in me. The, the, what Or what I have isn't going to suit this, this temperament, this value system, the way this person operates. Would you say that's the number one mistake that people, when they're prospecting and pitching themselves, it's all the I, 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 and me, 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 and not about the person they're speaking to? I, uh, I have this little thing I do with sales managers when, I, when, I, when I'm doing training with sales managers. I say, you've just made a sales call with a new rep. What's the first thing you talk about when you are walking out to the car? Well, and the answer invariably is, oh, I tell them where they can improve. No. Tell them what they did well and then ask them, what do you want to get better at? And they'll tell you, they'll answer the exact questions you were going to answer. People know what they did wrong. <laughs> so it's, it, it's not telling, it's getting information and letting, letting the customer tell you what they need and then deciding, do, do I fit or not? 
And if you don't fit, get up and walk. And the way to get that in your mind, it's not about me, it's about you. All conversations is, should be about the other person, not about you. Keep your mouth shut, ask questions, then you'll find out what it is. And they will talk themselves into it. This is gold, William. And I, I think this is something that I, as a coach, I say over and over again, you know, I'll, I'll evaluate emails that students are sending in their, in their prospecting. And, you know, we'll have these conversations on coaching calls and time and time again, I say respectfully, no one cares what you talk about. They just want to know that you can take them from pain Island to pleasure Island. So if you could sell that, you'll be a yes, nine times out of 10. And so I'd like to talk about this a little bit more because of your extensive background. Um, you know, when you're prospecting, you prefer picking up the phone versus sending an email, correct? Well, frankly, yes. Uh, I may do both simultaneously. If I get a voicemail, I say, well, I'm gonna, I will send you an email. The advantage of calling if you're in a big market, let's say, I think it different, also it can vary in the market you're in. You know, I lived 60 miles from Indianapolis and, and 50 miles from Dayton. Columbus was 100 miles or Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, Indianapolis. I had a lot of people I could call on, big corporations all, all around me. But if I'm in the middle of uh, Nebraska, I don't have that benefit. So this will vary. Everybody's situation is so unique. Uh, yes, emails would be big if I was in a rural area, not n near corporate headquarters. But when you're near that, uh, once you get going, it's just one asking for referrals, joining the local uh, SHRM organization, um, Society of Human Resources, or ASTD, which I think has changed their name, but American Society of Training Directors, and going to some of their, maybe joining joining the group, but being at their convention, uh, and they'll refer you to people. I got a lot of referrals from training directors. If uh, do you have any friends who you, you know, I always ask for a referral, but even if I got the job, I ask for referrals. Do you have? They all buddy buddy. They can tell you who to call. It's it's part. It's everything. You do that as well as emails. I hate to say one's better than the other because both are needed. Balance it out. Do what is appropriate for your market, and where and where you are and how you want to reach. United Way has. Uh, so I did a pro I, I went to my local United Way and said, I'll do a, I'd, I'd like to do a three-hour seminar on how to be an effective director. They invited the board chair and, and the execs of all the United Way agencies. I had 30 or 40 people in a room for three hours. I got nice jobs. I bet. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's, you know, maybe going to the organization and offering something to their organization. Uh, it isn't, you don't have to call on a, HR or training director to get the corporate account. If you higher up, you can go the better. They may send you there, but uh, it gives you an opportunity to get in and you can get paid for it doing your speak. They'll want to do it by Zoom. And obviously, if you can't get to these people, you have to do email and calls. That's all. You don't have the chance for one-on-one, -on -one. but find opportunities in the big markets where you can go to an event and make connections and always got sales out of a out of some event. Yeah, today, $2,500, $3,500 for a booth at a big organization. If you have a good story, you'll walk out with some business. We, ha You have to also, it brings up the other thing, you have to invest in yourself. Travel, travel expenses, going somewhere, doing something free. You have to put something into that. Pick a good convention for your speaking uh, business where those people might be connected. Um, I was thinking, if you're, if you're coming from, um, say you have a personal experience type story 
you might go to the organizations that deal with people who, who are dealing with the experiences you had. It didn't a different a different approach. There's no one way is the answer. Uh, I when I remember just this call a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, mentioned all these emails they sent out, no responses. Well, what are you doing in the meantime at home? This is such gold that you're dropping here because I think I think with COVID and just generational differences. Um, with the dawn of technology, we as humans can allow ourselves to be really lazy thinking that we're doing so much work because we're sent, we sent 25 emails. I mean, come on, you know, my fingers hurt. And the reality is, you know, and I, I've said this to nauseam, how many emails are in your inbox right now that you will never open? It's, they're going right to trash. And so if you're sending somebody a cold email, you're likely going to end up in that trash. Not all the time. Like we're saying, it's not email's not dead. I'm not saying that. But what else can you do to grow the business? If we're if we're saying this is a relationship building business, what are you doing to build those relationships so that your email will get opened? And so I really love what you're saying here because um, I think oftentimes speakers forget that they need to do their own networking as well. They need to get out there, shake hands, hand business cards, pass out their books, um, have conversations, uh, and then that can grow into multiple events versus the snail the snail pace of sending out 25 emails every day. Not that it doesn't work. It definitely works. We see thousands of students who are making that work, but they're also adding in these other elements of picking up the phone, shaking a hand, going to events, uh, being even just BNIs, right? And, or, or, or coffee dates within their township. So I really love everything that you're saying here because it is a relationship building business and it, and it takes time. Go to the, go to the influencers in your speaking topic who you can reach out to locally, whatever your local is, and get a referral from them. They'll give you the names. They'll tell you where to go. So when you do send your email, you call ahead of time and get a voicemail. I talked to so-and-so in Lincoln, and uh, she thought you might be interested in this. And make a per- don't, don't just send the email without, and send the email with a referral, if possible, which you can do, uh, a little legwork, and that, make, that will make a big difference. That, oh, <clears throat> Marge told me that uh, for you to get in touch with me, maybe I ought to listen because she's pretty, pretty smart. No, it's, it's great information. And I think too, um, it, it initially, and you know, maybe you didn't feel this way because of the experience and the connections that, and the, the amount of work, one thing William's not talking about is he's on many boards. So he's being very humble. So there's very connect, a lot of connections there, but I think when a speaker first starts out, they feel really, um, there, there's a sense of overwhelm. Like I have to reach out to all these people where if we just, rein that in a little bit and honed in on maybe just the top 20 people within your network that may actually have two or three connections and you see how big that grows, right? Before you know it, you have a hundred connections under your belt with a name, like you're saying, to add to that email. That's a really smart way to go about that for sure. Love that advice. So, so you joined the speaker lab you went through our virtual VIP program with Eric Ream. You learned how to set up a virtual studio and create a virtual experience. I think one of the things I loved um, you talking about how you just love like opening up your laptop. You could be in the middle of your house and just get paid to do an amazing event. 
and reach multiple people. So talk about what your business looks like today. I, I just don't start with me, more phone calls. I have good connections in the banking industry and um, I'll, um, I'll go to a convention, start shaking hands. And so your, your focus is just virtual. You only want to do virtual events unless it's local. No, no, I'll do any. But for something like this, uh, I just, I'm talking about an hour event. Virtual is so easy for them. It depends on the industry. Uh, but one would be the medical field. And, and if reaching staff, it's almost easier virtually because they don't, it's hard to get them all together in a hospital for a long period of time. And I, I, my focus there is lunch breaks brown bag lunch breaks and for an hour and we used I've I've done a lot of them on the ethics committee we would get ethics speakers all over the country and have the nurses come down sit around the table and watch the tv and eat their lunch and get a program and now having done that I thought oh this this works all right (laughs) Uh, but also another thing about speakers um, topics think about how you can turn it into an actual three-hour seminar or something bigger offering. Everybody has something that's more than just a 20-minute talk before a convention. And that experience can be put into a, a good program. And I, I think people don't think about that enough either. Um, and you can practice that locally. You know, you wonder what it is, do some free ones. That's the old story. William, you're dropping some serious knowledge nuggets today. I love it. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, oftentimes we have speakers who say, um, well, what else can I talk about? Well, th- you don't need to talk about anything else. It's about going deeper on your topic, right? So if your keynote, we, we, we talk, often talk about, well, that's like snorkeling, right? You're just skimming the surface. It's, it's the what. But if you want to do a deep dive, well, now you take that what and you break it into how they accomplish it. You know, so then you workshop those things and now you're scuba diving. You're going into all the nitty gritty of everything. And that could take your 20, 30 minute keynote and make it a a phenomenal workshop for people. Yeah. I mean, I talk about value systems. If I'm with a company, what I'll do is take their value system and have, and give them some case studies to talk about a round table, discuss, what do you think? And I talk 15 minutes and that's what I did with the kids. I talked 20 minutes and they spent an hour doing table discussions. Take, I gave them cases to study and come up with how would they handle this and use your, using your value system, turn it into it. What I took was a short talk and turned it into a two-hour session. Easy. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, our other virtual facilitator, Ravi Rajani, he he does a lot of pre-work before his workshops. And so he gathers all the information about that specific corporation team. And so when he's deep diving into the workshop, he uses their own case studies or their own, right? So it's very powerful, very powerful. Um, it, it's really It's really awesome. Um, so what's the one thing that you love about the, um, the topic that you cover or the experience that you give your audience? Like what, what, what's the inspiration for you? Like when you walk out of a room and you just completed a talk and you think, wow, that was awesome because fill in the blank. Sometimes don't know that till after the fact, did I make a difference in somebody's life? I have a saying that I always keep in mind. There's always somebody in the room who thinks you're an idiot, who I've had expressed that, expressed to me a couple of times. And there's somebody whose life you really changed. Um, I did a goal setting program for a university foundation staff, 45 people. Four years later, I was, it was local. 
area. I was at a football game, a foundation tent after the game. And their attorney came up to me who was in the session. He said, you changed my life in that session. Four years later. My goal was to start my own individual practice, and I did that last year. Uh, I did one in the broad- with the broadcasters for nothing, Indiana Broadcasters. Uh, I was president of that, and so I did a- another goal-setting program for them pre- pre-convention, mostly just to be doing it to get, you know. I, I was beginning to-, to do the program. I just wanted to really become familiar with my material, so I did it free. I'm going to be at the convention anyway. And... Uh, it was uh, three years later, I got a phone call from a station manager who was there, and he said, you don't know it, but my goal then was to leave broadcasting and start my own insurance agency. I started it two months ago because of that program. So it's the hidden ones that are exciting. Uh, um, you just never know. All I have to do is reach one person in a room. And I heard this story at the National Speakers Association, which gave me that confidence. Um, it was a speaker from Chicago and he was going to Pittsburgh and had rented a hotel room and had advertised his pre, you know, he was a selling pitch, you know, come have experience. And he goes to, goes to the meeting room and he walks in and there are two nuns sitting in the front row. And that was it at nine o'clock in the morning. And he said, okay, (laughs) I've come all the way from Chicago. There are two people in the room, but I'm going to give it to him. And he just took off as though the room was full. And lunch break came. Go, they left, and he came back and thought, "Are they going to be there?" And he walked in the room, and there they were in the front row. Turned out to be the biggest client he ever had. They were with a hospital system in Boston. All you need—I'm talking to one person in the room. I don't know who that is. My, my—you uh, ask at my story. Whoops, moment. It wasn't an oops, but it was the idiot story. I uh, was doing a strategic planning session for a large uh, retail store at 22 stores around the country had their top 30 managers there. And it was a three-day, three-and-a-half-day deal. Values, mission, purpose, strategic planning, a whole bit. So I started out my talk about change. It was kind of the philosophical aspect of change and kind of uh, an educational feel to it. I didn't do the best job in the world. And this one guy said, yes, broke out, and he said, you know, I don't really care. I won't use his language about what you're saying, but it's BS and so forth. And it... It was about time to take a break. I said, oh, time to take a break. <laughs> and I said, well, I appreciate your comment. For some reason, I was not flustered. I just felt very calm. Um, and uh, I said, let's just take a break. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. And I said, you know, I, I finished my points and took the break. And he, I felt like he was running up to me, fast steps as he came around the table, came up to me. But the words out of his mouth blew me away. Bill, it's not about you. It's about me. I apologize. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hello. your reaction probably helped immensely to make him look inward. He saw change coming in the company and there was change coming in the company. It was not a secret. Um, the old owners have been kicked off the board and major change. And I happen to know the CEO. That's how I got the job. And uh, I, I did two sessions. I did one with the top 30 managers and then the next 30 in line a month later and I went back the next month and the president came up and said you really did me a favor that the other day the guy came in and resigned on his own I didn't have to fire him wow that's amazing that's pretty incredible it's not about me where are you coming from everybody's reaction is you make me I'd like I'll say that you make me angry no I made myself angry they don't even know what the heck happened 
They're off doing their thing. I'm sitting here stewing and getting all upset about the car that just cut me off, and he's off running down the road. No idea. And um, I get upset about you. No. I should change that. If, if, what's causing this behavior? Why do you feel this way? What's bothering you? What, what, did, I, what did I do wrong? What would you have to say? Yeah. No, it's great. And I, I think, too, the other hidden gem there is, you know, your reaction to him could have been very differently if you weren't confident in your own content. And so we as speakers, when we're confident in our content and we know that what we're saying is proven, it's tried, it's true, um, people can't shake you. And you're always going to have someone who maybe doesn't connect or doesn't agree. That's fine. Oh, That's yeah. their right. Always, yeah. always. But if you're confident <laughs> in who you are and in what you're what you're speaking about, that's really important because then your reaction will be very different, right? You'll you'll have a response, but you'll allow that person to be responsible for for their reaction. Salespeople make this mistake all the time. Go try to buy a car. I hate to knock one industry, but that's a good one because it's pretty high pressure. And I've taken rides in cars and didn't ask me once what I wanted. They're pointing out all the technical. I'm not a technical person. So I'm getting all this. It's got ramps. It's got this. It's got that. I don't care. Electric seats, heated <laughs> but, seats, air-conditioned seats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's where it's not about me. It's about you. Ask questions. Get answers. And then go with where they lead you. Yeah, that's so valuable. And I think it's a great place to end because I think as speakers, if you could just ask more questions and really... Um, especially when you're on these calls with event planners, they are very busy people. They are managing huge events. And so when they feel like you get them and you're supporting them and you're going to come through for them, it's a much easier yes for them. And so I love that advice. Ask questions, really let them feel heard. Um, Connect your solution with their problem. Don't make it about you as the solution, but that you have a solution to their problem. Um, I think it goes a really long way. Um, my gr- my grand, I have a granddaughter who was about 30, was applying for a new job, and the person whose job she was taking was coming to interview her because she was moving up in the organization. So I said, Kata, here's an idea. After you answer a few of her questions right off the bat, but then turn it around and say, now tell me, um, what are the values of your company? Um, what do you like most about your job? What do you like least about your job? What's the most difficult problem you've had? She began to interview her and blew the girl away. She had no idea what was happening. She went back to her boss and said, I don't know what happened over there. I think I got interviewed instead of her. He, she went through the whole thing. He said, pick up the phone and call her and tell her she's got the job. He never even met her. <laughs> well done. She must have learned from the best. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all it is. That's great. Well, we appreciate you. We're, we're proud of you. We're celebrating you. We thank you so much for spending this time. We know that um, you really dropped some serious knowledge today. And I think uh, the students who are paying attention will walk away with incredible value, especially when it comes to that oh so awkward pitch sale that people fall into. There's no pitch. There's no pitch. There's no pitch. All you're doing is you, you state what you do. Here's my topic. Now tell me, how do you think this might fit in your organization? Or do you think this could be a fit for a talk for you? Make a short statement and start asking questions. Turn it over to them. And don't say any more about what you do. Excellent advice. Well, we thank you so much, William. And we thank you for spending this time with us. And add that. Do it on a referral if you can. Oh, yeah. Definitely a referral. 
get those referrals and get out into the world. That's a, Shake hands. That, that's the way to get an email answer. There you go. I love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening right now? Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them, and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. We've got a ton of free resources and tools there, and you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.